just two brothers drinking two brothers coffee. It's just you know dressed very similar. Very similarly. <laughs> and when well, you when you walked down today, when I saw you come into the studio, mm. I'm like, this motherfucker's wearing a sweater too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this house is only big enough for one sweater that's wearer, right. all right? In this this, a, if you're gonna wear a sweater, why is it gray? You know that's my color. Do you think uh, Mr. Rogers would have been that way? Like, do you think Mr. Rogers would have been competitive if there was another Mr. Rogers? Like, like a cardigan competitive? <laughs> or do you mean like Mr. Rogers as in like another daytime Well, yeah, like would show? he, do you think he, like, you know, he's human. Do you think he would have been petty about it? Like if there was another man who was genuinely a good person and genuinely loved children, you know, didn't want to fiddle with them, just wanted to teach them. And he wore cardigans and he had the same kind of friends and respect. You think like Mr. Rogers meant like look at this look at this motherfucker like he over came here. up after you know I don't know because like I I feel like I feel like if Mr. Rogers had a had someone that was similar to him um he would they would have a competitive edge to each other but I think they'd be best of friends just because they like just um, like it, like they want the same thing like yeah. so they'd like they'd work together they would promote each other's show do you find that true of yourself like do you when you find um when you meet someone who gen- genuinely has like the exact same passion as you, that you you're more you're more like to collaborate with them rather than compete with them, even though technically they, I, I compete they with my friends and I compete with with anyone that I can find a way to to do something better, right? So like it it doesn't matter uh, like like I I'm just competitive by nature, right? And I want to improve and I want to do better. And the best way for me to do that is to compare myself to someone else that's at a similar um, path and a similar point of success. So that it's like, all right, I'm gonna try and be better than you every step we go, and you're gonna do the same that way that we're we're pushing each other, right? And I do that with friends all the time. Like when I first started squiring, right? Um, Kevin and I, we would we would. Um, we would compete against each other all the time. Like at first we were enemies because we both started on the same day and we were like, we're going to, I'm going to show this motherfucker up. Like, like I ain't going to let this guy beat me. So like at first we were kind of like, you know, real serious about it. And it was like, you know, we weren't friends at all, (laughs) but soon after, like we both wanted the same thing out of the job. We both wanted like, you know, to do a good job and to, to get better at it so we could progress. So we became, not only did we become best friends, but we also kept that competitive edge the whole way up until training and being nights. Eventually, um, you know, stuff happens and, you know, we leave. But so that, that competitive streak amongst, amongst us two kind of fell apart. Mm. But we're still, you know, good friends. And I think that that's part of comp- uh, being competitive is that it's, it's not uh, a bad thing in any way. Like, I think competitive can be a good thing. And you should be competitive with your friends. When I play games... Um, with my friends, I'm I'm still competitive. I still want to win, you know. Even though I understand the point of the game is not to necessarily win or even to be playing, the point of the game is to be hanging out with your friends. Like the the the, the game is just a vessel. Uh, it's it's a mead a medium of um of why we're hanging out. It's the glue to like bring us together for the day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like. Um that is that is a collaboration you're you're collaborating on a, an idea or an event or or um a game mm-hmm. in order to achieve that kind of camaraderie you know that that bonding or whatever you want to call it i i agree with you i uh when when you said about like um 
competitive nature to push each other. That's something I'm always looking for. In fact, that's that's what I'm looking for uh, in in our endeavor. Mm-hmm. Is uh, that's what I'm always hoping that you'll challenge me, and you know, and I keep challenging you, and like we both keep bringing ideas, yeah, to what we're doing. You know, that way it doesn't feel like one person is dragging the other or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like it feels like it's more of a um, not a competition, but a a collaboration. I guess I've, there isn't a better word for it. Yeah, I, I feel like, like, like you end up dragging me a little more than I drag you, though. That's for sure. Like, mostly because, like, I don't know. I just feel like I get overwhelmed sometimes, you know. And it's like, so like things just start to pile on, and then I push things away, and then well, I, but I always, try, I always try and make this a priority for sure. Well, that, it's difficult. I was going to say it's difficult to make something that you love a priority, right? Um, I, I'm not immune to that. I, there are less things going on in my life, for example, than there are in yours. And I'm not looking to like, you know, make excuses for anyone. I'm just saying like, when my life is busy, it was very easy for me to abandon things I love doing. That's, that's essentially why I stopped drawing. I mean, I love art. Like I, mm-hmm. I still think of myself as an artist, but when's the last time I did a painting or did a drawing, you know, or, uh, you know, I do little art jobs here and there on Photoshop, but they're, they're really just, you know, they're minor, they're musings. They're not, they're not something, it's not me truly using all my, my creativity, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think about that often, uh, not just us, but in general, like, you know, if you want something to be a priority, then you really have to devote time to it. It's like, okay, but if you've got other responsibilities, then what are you willing to sacrifice in order for that or at least happen. turn down, right? Because you say you have like a, a hundred, you have a hundred watts of power, and each thing that you do takes a watt, right? Or, or or a portion of that power, right? So how do you turn some light bulbs on more than others? You need you have like a dimmer switch. So it's not that you have to sacrifice something entirely necessarily. You just have to find ways to uh, fit it in, right? How how do you budget your power? Well, that's what I mean, I guess. When I say yeah. when I say sacrifice, I mean like what i'm where am i going to take that power or time from mm-hmm. you know what i mean and sometimes when you do that you have to stop something altogether you know not always but sometimes you do i mean the most the most successful people i can think of that i do admire or even if i don't admire them take any like really successful person and if you can find out what what they lost what they sacrificed in their personal life how many relationships that they ruined you know what I mean? How many how many children did they estrange just because that was the cost of them needing to focus on their passion, you yeah. know, their obsession, whatever you want to call it. So um, that's something I think about. That's all the thing, the time. though, is that like it's people that are super successful seem to be obsessed with whatever they're doing. Like they think about yeah. it day in and day out, and that's that is their life. That is literally all they care about. And I just don't have a focus like that. <laughs> I can't focus on one thing that that intently. Also, I don't find that terribly useful either. I f- like in the sense of the grand scheme of being happy in life or at least content. I don't find that like a single obsession and re- putting all your eggs in one basket is necessarily beneficial. Um, yeah, maybe you'll find monetary success. But I, I think there's things that are more important than well. That's a very practical finding. approach, right? I mean, you're you're being um, maybe that's an excuse. It's a very Midwest practical approach, right? Because that's how kind of we're raised out here. Is that uh, um, you you need to sort of live life defensively. You need to make sure that you hedge all your bets. That you 
that you buffer all your investments, you know, all your savings, everything you do needs to be some kind of a shoe in towards the, you know, the, 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 um, the retirement of your life. But, uh, I've always bristled at that. I, I've never, I think the reason, part of the reason I struggle at all in life is because I have the mind of someone who wants to, to put everything on the line for one idea, whether it fails or whether it succeeds or fails. Um, but I so rarely do that. You know what I mean? Like, um, I sacrifice the time and the energy, but then I don't apply it. <laughs> so it's like, it becomes a waste. And, um, you, you know, when you waste life, when you waste, when you waste time, you waste life and there's no way to get that back. So yeah. everything's, this whole trip is one way. And, um, boy, they're right when they say, you know, the, it's not a cliche, the whole midlife crisis thing. <laughs> like it, like I, it, 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 everyone has definitely is going to have it and they all going to have it in their own way. But I think at base, it's a similar architecture. It's uh, Man, I'm 30. I feel like I already had mine. <laughs> like you're warming up for it. Yeah. <laughs> like I already, like I already like went through a point in my life where I was like, I have no idea what the f I'm doing. Like right now, everything is in the air and I don't know where my life is heading. I felt like so it was like a complete total shift in my life that happened recently. And I was just, and then finally I found a path like a few months ago where I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. These are my goals. I finally had, you know, a, a place to look towards, you know, there was, there was something on the horizon instead of just a vast open ocean or a desert, you know? Yeah. And I, and There's I think that, um, and I think for an idea to succeed, it has to be. It has to be the upfront idea. I don't think there's any other way for it to succeed. I mean, I give you an example. There's so many talented musicians that I've met in my life and other people that were talented at things that they did in their spare time, right? It was basically a hobby, mm -hmm. but they never found any success with that because they were worried about um, their job or they were worried about their family. Um, so they didn't put out what they made or what do you mean? They, the, basically, if you want to think of it this way, it's like, um, if everything, if you think of everything as like a child, right. By analogy. Okay. The, the child of their passion never grew up because they put all the energy, their attention and focus into their actual children, into their marriage, into their, uh, into their nine to five job mm -hmm. like that, that. That really was the okay. priority. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So even though they were still talented, it, it was never ever going to go anywhere with it because it never was at the front. Right. Never, and that's what scares me is that anytime I have an opportunity like I do now in my life to really take something I love and put it at the front and make it a priority, that that's what I should be doing. Because as soon as I fall back into that nine to five grind, you know, it's uh, that's going to become the priority just by default. Well, that's where you're putting worse most of your time because, yeah. I mean, work is... 40 hours if you're, you got a full-time job that's you know how many and you eight you sleep eight hours of your day so i mean you have an eight hour work day so you have that 16 hours already gone right. from you that's that's more than half of your day right <laughs> like that's ridiculous i never thought about that yeah <laughs> that, oh i think that about half, that. half your day is more than half your day is not yours like that's insane yeah that is insane yeah, that is so heart wrenching. <laughs> I know, and that and that, that that really stabs me in the heart, and I uh, I can't get over it. it no it, wonder it, I was it, I was it depresses so... me and haunts me. And it makes it it should motivate me to, um, 
to really change my life around. That's why I want to have my own business, right? I've always wanted that because I feel at least, at least then I'm struggling for myself. I'm not right. struggling for someone else's success. Right. I'm struggling for my own. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things too that just aren't in place. I mean, a lot of people I know that have started their own business um, or have other great success in their life, uh, they had good foundations. You know, they're, um, especially most of them are men, especially they had good fathers, you know what I mean? Or their fathers were around. And, or, well, actually that, both those things, their fathers were around and they were good fathers. So they, they really, they taught them how to, you know, how to start an adult life and, and what to do. And, you know, um, there's a guy, um, I've heard several people say this, but I remember there's a guy who told me that, um, his mother or his father, before he even became an adult, while he was still a teenager, his father had put, had started a credit card in his name and had used it to build up his credit. So when he turned 18, he had excellent credit. He had like, you know. I don't know, 700 credit or something. It was like yeah. really good. Right. Wow. So right at, right at the beginning of his adult life, he had a chance to invest. Right. He had a, he had a, he had a and he had good, he had good advice to work with. So, cause dad didn't just give him that. He said, look, this is what you can do now. Right. Give him ideas, give him plans. And so that's awesome. Yeah. I, I wish I had a mentor that fi a financial mentor. That's really what I want. <laughs> well, I feel like that's what parents should be. I feel like, you know? I mean, Growing up, my, my parents didn't were, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what do they know about money besides, you know, just the basics? Like, this is and that's not, of, not how know. to be fr a frugal, right? How not to spend money. That's right. And that's a very practical defensive yeah. existence. And, and I, I had the same. And I think that, I think, at least for me, that has damaged. It, it's a wall. It's something, it's something I've got to learn to get over and get through if I'm ever going to truly succeed at, at uh, having my own empire, no matter how right. big that is or small that is, you know, that that's really what I, when I think about what I really want in life, that's really what, what I want. I want independence. I want my own business. For I, real. Want, I want my own fight. I don't yeah. want some done with someone else's fight. I want my fight, you know? Yeah. The only thing, the only thing that sucks about that, there's nothing else to fall back on. So when it, fail, if well, it that's fails, the, it's all on you that's, and, and you got nowhere, nowhere to go. That's, 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 that's the, the only true motivator, though. You can't fail you know, whatever you do. <laughs> yeah, right. You at the bottom is waiting, right? That's why, again, like I said, like the, the practical life, that practical Midwest life. Yeah, it's just like, oh, well, I don't feel bad failing at something that is risky to do because I've got this nine to five job, you know, mm -hmm. or I've got this whatever. I've made something soft and comfortable in my life. So, you know, I, I will say once I got a second job, though, I felt. I felt like financially more free and less worried about uh, the job, uh, either one. And that is, and that's because like, I felt like if I f did mess up horribly in one of them, I could always just fall back on the other. And it was like, you know, if I needed it, it's there and I can just live off of that. It's that's like, literally what I was getting at. Yeah. yeah. Like you, it, it feels like a safety net, it, you know? Yeah. It definitely yeah, see, does. I, I hate that. <laughs> that feeling I hate to me. That I is liked a, it uh, because it was like, it was like a, a relief. It was like, oh my God. So I'm not stressed out as much about either one. And I can, and it, it allows me, since I'm not stressed out about like the failure aspect of it, um, it, it allowed me to, to be more open and more and, and like serving, you need to be an open person. You need to be able to talk and you need to be able to, to, to not feel like you're, you're walking on eggshells the whole time. Well, no doubt. I'm sure it helps the job. What mm -hmm. I meant is I hate, I hate that it makes me feel so it makes me soft. It makes me feel, it makes me feel safe. I don't like that because mm -hmm. that, that, that is a waste of 
of my energy in my mind. Right. It's like, again, like I'm, I'm, I'm fighting for someone else, you know, I'm right. working hard, I'm struggling for someone else. So someone else is, is enjoying their victories through me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that, and that's why I hate that. Yeah. It's sure. It's, it, it's easy. It's soft. It's, it's safe, you know, but I, I really believe at, at least with my amateur philosophy that if I'm ever to succeed at something I love, I've got to take big chance. I've got to take big chances. You know, like you said, it's gotta be, it's going to be all or nothing, mm-hmm. you know, and if I fail and I, and I, or really the only, the only true failure is giving up when you think about it, right? Failure that you, you know, when you fail at something, but you don't give up, you, you're, you're motivated. So you, you will fight to succeed. You'll find, you'll right. find ways to, to do things, right? Well, what do you think about like the sunken ship fallacy though? What is that? So it's where you, um, the idea of the sunken ship fallacy is that you put a bunch of work into something and you don't know when to just drop it because you feel like I've already put all this work into it. I might as well finish it out, but it's no longer worth doing. Well, that happens all the time in life, in in, in the course of a life, right? I mean, I have two versions of that. I would say the, I matched the example, the definition you just gave of where, um, like when I worked in plastic surgery, I definitely was there too long. I mean, it was a blessing when they let me go uh, because I was already done there. You know, I, I shouldn't have been there. I was there like well overstayed my my welcome. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and so I get yeah that I and so that was a, that was a lesson. Um, but another another version, I guess you could say of that is how there have been so many things in my life that I devoted my attention and energy 100% to, and they still didn't succeed. They failed. Right. Um, and that, and it, when you, when, when you, here's, here's what I have to say about that. When you get to that point where you've done, you've worked as hard as you can and you still fail, that is a, that is a very crucial moment because in that moment you either are motivated to pick up to pick up the mess and move on to the next challenge, the next mm-hmm. motivation, or you say, fuck it, I'm a loser. You know what I mean? And, and I, and I don't, I, why am I working hard on anything? You know what I'm saying? And, um, for me, I get, I get, whether it's lucky or not, I don't know, but I get sort of frozen in a purgatory between those two decisions. Right. And I go through what I call these like incubation periods in my life where I, you know, I coast on my savings and then I just try to find myself again. Because it's like, I don't want to give up. I'm not willing to give up. Right. Because to me, that's basically suicide. I might as well just kill myself at that point. And at the same time, I'm not motivated to pick up what I have left and use it for something new. Because I don't know what that is yet. I didn't have a backup plan, in other words. You know, mm-hmm. it was I put all my eggs in one basket, as you said. But I, I really feel that's how I should live. I should, I should be putting everything on the line. Because the way I look at it is like, maybe this is a simulation right reality either way it doesn't matter the only thing i know i have is the this moment and this right. moment right and this moment and that's <laughs> it i don't know what's going to happen next i don't know how much time i have and so why not put everything on the line you know and i think part of that inner conversation some of the worry is like well who am i going to hurt besides myself maybe you're willing to hurt yourself a lot of people are i am i have no I bizarrely, I have no care for myself. Like I'll step in front of a bullet for you without even thinking about it. Like I've, I've just done that. Like I'll, I'll just react, like mm-hmm. jump to like help someone. Right. 
and I have no care for myself. It's very bizarre. But who am I? But that's easy to say for me. But who who do I love? Am I willing to sacrifice or hurt in order to get what I want? That's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the the joys about being a, a single man is that you have no family to worry about. Like you don't have to like you know do the safe thing because and and weigh that decision because of your your family, right? Well. Like you can do something that's a little more reckless when you're yes. when it's just you. And I would you don't say, have that responsibility to someone else because I, I'm the same way. It's like, I would much rather, you know, put myself at risk than someone else. And I, I like, if I had a family, I mean, if say if I, if I had to take care of my mother, even, you know, if mm. she, she relied on my income, I would, you know, there's a lot more decision happening there then because it's not just me. It's, it's someone else that I have to, that's relying on me. So it's like, I would definitely, I would take the safe decision 100% of the time if it was um, in that kind of situation where it was, okay, there's there's a risky thing that we could do here and it could pay off good and it could be better than working this nine to five all the time. But I mean, the nine to five is guaranteed. Well, so I also like, think that from my point of view, in my opinion, rather, um, if I were ever if I had ever become, if I were ever to be a father, that would be my life project. Because at that point, um, my personal, my selfish goals no longer matter. Like it's a total paradigm shift. Even, even, even to just talk about it here, cause I'm, I'm not a father, but just to, it's a that conversation you know. I've had with myself that I know. Of. <laughs> God. And, uh, I, it used to be a nightmare I would have, believe it or not. For real. Yeah. Same. Um, but, that I, I just know, no, I know enough about myself to believe that I know that would be a paradigm shift in my mind, in my action. I mean, I would not be the, you know, uh, Lex Dax, what's the word, the lazy person, whatever that I am now, the free, the sort of free spirited person I am now. I would be very much a, a more of a, a corporate mentality, right? There'd be protocols, there'd be, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there'd yeah. be time, things would be timed and scheduled. Like I very much know how to do those things. And I am that person when I have that level of responsibility. Mm-hmm. All I can compare it to though is like um, a job, you know, like in the past when I've had a, a very, you know, a job with a lot of responsibilities or I had people working underneath me that, I had to manage, for example. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It's like, I actually really like responsibility. Like, sure, I, it's I, fun. I love peop- that when people rely on me, especially, like, in a work environment. And, like, I think that is that is one of the, the coolest things. Like, I got to train someone recently and um, and on the job. And, like, just doing that, it was, like, one of, some of the most fun I've ever had at the job is, yeah. was teaching someone. I'm like, this is, this is amazing. Oh, <laughs> like, like, I, I love that. And it's like, it's like, it was... It was great because someone's relying on me. I get to pass down all the knowledge that I've gained from everyone else that I've worked with that have shown me their tips and tricks. I've had my own experiences and I get to, I get to share those and help someone else. Like, this is what I wish someone would have told me at the beginning. So I'm going to tell you. (laughs) It's like, what gift is greater than knowledge? I I can't think of a more, you know, rewarding, rewarding gift and, and to be who doesn't want to be the gift giver, right? Who doesn't want to be a teacher? (laughs) That's, that's the best position to have. And I think I actually, I think most people, either they don't want to be a teacher or they don't know how to teach and they don't care to learn how to teach. I think most people aren't innately good teachers. Well, you know, I, so my, my guru answer to that, because this is something I've said before is that, um, the best teachers are those that want to be students again. So, okay. I, and I totally agree with that because like when I teach, 
I love the part of what I love about that is that it's reinforcing the basics to me. Yes. It's like, it's like, all right, we have to now focus on these, like these beginning steps again and, and you make sure that you're doing them right and make sure that, you know, they're, you're using them correctly. Like the, these beginning stages, because like, it's like the pyramid of training or, you know, of even like riding position, right? Like you gotta, you gotta check everything that you're doing and make sure it's, it's, it, the core is correct. That way you can do your advanced maneuvers. Yeah. It's a pyramid. It, it literally is sort of like a pyramid in your head. Right. I mean, in, in the sense that when I, like when someone says they're, when I see someone say or claim of another, that they're the master of whatever skill or vocation master to me means that you are a master of the lowest level the lowest rung of that tutelage right okay. that's what that means to me so just like your example with writing it's like if you're a master writer that means that you know your most basic knowledge of writing that's what you is second nature to you right. that's what makes you a master because you don't you that is your bar in other words your groundwork is so firm Right, that when you try to do something difficult, that's what you're really practicing. You're not worried about the little things, right? Mm -hmm. That's what makes you a master. Mm -hmm. uh, another example would be like when I was in karate. I, I used to be in Shotokan when I was a teacher or a teenager, and um, I did get to teach sometimes. I miss that a lot because that was another form of uh, of uh, something physical that was very rewarding and took a lot of practice. You know, to say you were good at it. You know, and in karate they have what's called what's called katas, and a kata. If you, do you know what a kata is? It's like the form, right? It's uh, it's like the the motion. Yeah, of like, basically. Yeah. So basically, what a yeah, it's so a kata is um, a, a series of movements and stances, mm -hmm. right? And you're judged on how well, how perfectly you do them. And the and part uh, prior, part of what is proper judging when it comes to a kata is not just to see how many times it is obvious that the student has repeated the movements and memorized them, but how, um, how second nature they are to the student, right? Because that's what they're really looking for. Because like when you do, like, for example, if you do like a very, like, um, very focused, let's say jab, right? Like a punch, mm -hmm. you can sort of tell that, um, the person, how, how much focus that person is putting into that. And the more focus that person has on that particular movement means that they still haven't mastered it because they have to really think about it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I noticed that before too. If I'm thinking about every little, it's like the detail, or not the detail, but the fundamentals, then I, I, I'm not thinking about the, the actual complex maneuver that needs to be done. Right, right. And that is, um, so you need a strong base. That's why it's a pyramid, right? Because you need that right. strong foundation. Right, because the higher so up you build. go, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the narrow your focus becomes because you're doing something more difficult than what you previously did. Mm -hmm. So, And they build on top of each other. And, and each time that, each time you like have a difficult thing, you fall back to the one that's, you know. Right, That's, exactly. that's easier or Absolutely. one step easier. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So how come you're not a father? Uh, well, right now, was, well, okay, I don't have a girl, right? So that that's that's a big reason. step one. Step one, you have to have a yeah, you have to have the female, <laughs> and I don't got that. Uh, another reason is I don't even know, like if I if I would want to be like have kids. Well, there's several reasons. Um, mostly one of the reasons is because I'm 
I'm 30 now, so and and you can die at any time. So, and then the closer that the older I get, the closer I am to death. So like leaving a kid on their on their own or with a mother without a father, you know, like that that thought petrifies me. Yeah, like that is that I hate that because that's what happened to me, and I would never want to put another another living creature through that kind of suffering. Sure, that's a um, legitimate fear. Another uh, another reason is. Like it's a, it's not just an 18 year commitment. It's a lifetime commitment because you're, you're not a father for just so they're out of the house. You're a father forever. Like you're always going to care about that kid and you're always going to want them to succeed and you're always going to be worried about them. So that's a, that's another like thing that just kind of like, it's like, hmm, you know, are we really sure about that? Um, children are gross. They're disgusting. I mean, I, maybe I could deal with my own monster, but you know, other people's monsters, I freaking hate. Like they're just, I, I joke around that kids are the worst STD imaginable. <laughs> and then the second is AIDS. <laughs> oh, it goes from kids to AIDS. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Kids are worse than AIDS. Have you ever met one? A child. A child. Yes. <laughs> but that that's, that's, those are some of the reasons I'm uh, apprehensive about having kids. Another reason is because I'm safe. <laughs> you know, like I don't, I, I use protection when I'm with a girl. Uh, how about you, Marco? Why aren't you a dad? Do you ever practice something a lot but never share it? That's kind of uh, why I'm not a father. No, okay. I'm not a father because I think too much. Okay. Um, you know, there are people I know. I have some close friends. One in particular, I won't name him, but um, he's he's a dad. He's he's a, he's a dad twice, and um. He is the kind of person that he doesn't have the curse that I do that I that I need some you know I I need, I'm a glory hound I need glory in my life I need to be I need to impress people I need to impress myself and I need I need greater challenge and I need and I need success with that challenge right and my buddy um let's call him Dino so my buddy Dino is uh is not that way. He's very much satisfied with um, just existing, right? He doesn't need any of those things that I mentioned. And it helps. I think it, it plays a part in him being a good father because he's able to then shift his attention to other responsibility, right? And and maybe he does feel, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. He just feels, I don't know, I've never asked him, but maybe he just feels that glory instead from from creating life. Cause I don't really think there's anything greater. Really. I mean, all this shit I'm talking about that I want to do for myself. None of that is greater, even in my mind than creating life, <laughs> than being a father. I mean, that is why we're here. If you really think about it, when you, when you break it down to, you know, the genetic level, again, I've mentioned the book, the selfish gene, but any, any, any story like that, that's what our genes want. That's literally the purpose yeah. of life is just to make more of yourself. And, and I, I just think about it too much i guess um you know there's a lot of things i don't like about our society even though it's still the best society on the planet um again in similar in some in, in you know uh, in a similar view to yours i don't really want to expose something i love more than myself to things i hate more than anything you know what <laughs> i mean does that make yeah. sense now that being said um it it you know part of it is also being a coward it's not just about uh, deflection, which is everything I just said is basically that part of it is, is about being a coward. You know, I'm, I'm too much of a child still in my own mind, uh, to, to be mature enough to 
grow up. You know, Jordan, I think it was Jordan Peterson who said that um, the highest level of maturity a man can attain is when he becomes a father. Um, and I don't know if I added it or where I, where I picked it up, but I thought, yeah, there's really two aspects to that. One is serving the military and the other uh, is becoming a father because mm. the first one gives you a level of discipline unobtainable anywhere else, in my opinion. Yeah. And the second one is um, your success at life. I mean, that's what it means to me to be a father is you, you, you do what the universe is asking of you, which is to continue the river of life. Right. I think I've made that analogy for you before. I know I've made it while I was tripping. That's for sure. <laughs> but, you know, um, that's how I look at life is like man is the source of life and women, woman is its form. Right. Did I ever give you that? My little, my little analogy of the river of life. I don't think so. It's so I'll, I'll drop it on you real quick. Okay. Right. The, in my mind, the, uh, so this all started with a conversation I had with a friend because I said, you know, I, I said, you and I are super villains um, because we're both not going to have children. Right. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, look, listen, when a woman has an abortion, she stops one life. Right. That's a that's a tragedy. But a man who doesn't have children stops all life because all life travels through him. That's you know, that's why your seed has so many possible outcomes. Right. And so. You're not. You're basically a, a, a walking genocide. You're when you choose not to deliver what the universe has, has basically made you for. If you want to think of it in that kind of projection, so man is the river of life, but the, a river is wild. It's violent. It's dangerous. So even while it carries with it the life, it also it is destructive. So life dies with it. There's death. Lots of death involved with being a man, right? In the mm -hmm. river of life, but you wouldn't know what life looks like. You wouldn't know what a river is and be able to define it if it wasn't for a woman, because woman is the bank. She's the shore. She gives life form. Right. And so oh, that, yeah. that is our part. That's how we contribute together to existence, right. To, to human life at least. But I feel like all life basically works that way. That's why there is a male and a female. Right. I mean, even, even in creatures that are like hermaphrodites, it's just basically both those parts in one structure. Right. <laughs> it's still, there's still that duality at play. You know what I mean? So I find that very interesting. And that's just the way, that's my analogy of looking at it. You can call it misogynistic if you want, but I don't think it is. I think it's just. Um, but you're just describing energy. Yeah, it's you're a not, recognition of. Yeah, of, of no, oh, no, how it's misogynistic because you're not downplaying a woman's role in any way. I don't think so. No, yeah. So that's that's why I'm not a because I'm a supervillain. <laughs> I also feel like the finance aspect as well is I don't have the money to have kids. You know, it's like I don't, I can barely support myself. How could I support, you know, another life plus the mother? You know, it's like that's a lot. Well, that's well, that's the thing though too. Like, um, in this day and age, so the, the the nuclear family is no longer what it once was. You can't you can't be a man working a nine to five job with no overtime uh and and own two cars uh you know a house with four bedrooms and yeah. you know a quarter acre to half an acre of land um that's gone so part of um well here we go now with marriage part of the, the benefit of a marriage is that, that you have that double income so that's why that's what makes it a family possible is that double income in the in the modern family 
I mean, without that, you'd have to be quite successful. And if you were quite successful, you don't have the time. You don't have the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And then you get blamed for not ever being around. And it's like, but I'm out there making the money. You know, it's like, what do you, what do you want? Do you want to live, or do you, or do you, or do you want? Do you want my time? You know, it's like that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it's like um, that song was it, the Cat in the Cradle. Did you ever hear that song? Cat in the Cradle, the Silver Spoon. Yeah, Little Boy Blue and the Man in the Moon. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's basically what that song is about. Is a father that uh, loves his son who wants to spend as much time as he can with him, but as his son is growing up, uh, he's working. And he's just he's just making sure the family can survive. Yeah. And then when he gets old and retires, and now he has time for his son, his son is now the one that is working and has his own family. So he has no time for his father. Yeah. And then the father realizes he's just like me. That's it's like you know that's the the circle of our life or the path of our lives. Yeah. And I yeah, I feel like yeah, it sucks because like I remember when I was a kid, my dad would work like three different jobs. Mm-hmm. um at, at once he had he had his main job as a as an engineer he um did uh substitute bus driving and then he'd also uh um do pizza delivery and then he'd um do coach bus driving on the uh on the weekends so <laughs> you know he was he was always gone but I always you know I, I never I never thought about it in like um in a negative way it was always explained to me your dad's out there making money so we can so we can live well why you know? wouldn't it be normal because you were brought into this world and that was the first thing you understood you that was de- defined to you is that that's the way things work, yeah right? but what i mean is, is i was never um i was never like i was i don't want to say i wasn't envious of other people but i wasn't like you know i never thought like my dad doesn't care about me because he's not here you know i i, I always thought like my dad you really never, cares yeah, you about never me quashed, questioned his yeah. responsibilities right no and, and and i knew how much he he loved us and his family because like he every time every moment he had he'd spend with us as a family he was never out with you know with friends or you at know the bar yeah or, right yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah my dad was never at the bar that would be for him for that to happen man i couldn't even imagine because he, he didn't really have out of place like yeah because he didn't think of money that way like he didn't think much like that was that was not okay an okay the way to spend money like they didn't even buy alcohol really for themselves at the house mm-hmm. um my dad made wine as a hobby but other than that and even then he never drank and got drunk i've i saw my father drunk once and it was at a wedding and, and then he apo- he was apologizing to me that he was drunk. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. I'm like, can we just go to sleep? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it was like we were going to a hotel. But he was so embarrassed about that. It's interesting to me. Um, speaking of like drunkenness and alcohol, how different people are with getting drunk. You know, there's a, I wonder if there's got to be something scientific about the reason why some people can just handle so much liquor, um, you know, regardless of size mm-hmm. and, and how and why some people can't. Because, like, I definitely have at least in part some of that gene, especially when I was, like, in my 20s. I could just drink and drink and drink and drink and drink and I could still function. Like, it took a, it took so much for me to be, like, blacked out, for example, you know, or, or vomiting. I mean, it, literally, I had to be poisoned. Like, it had to reach, like, alcohol poisoning <laughs> levels for me to, like... yeah. To be affected you know what i mean like i would reach a state i'd like i had like a cap on my drunkenness i don't know how else to explain it it was very strange so i could like i would drink anybody i wanted you know i'm not like that anymore yeah but, I, was say, I, I have never been able to drink 
a, a, a decent amount like one beer and i'm done <laughs> like, yeah it's like my stomach just can't handle it that's the main issue so it's just acid reflux yeah and if, I, if it wasn't for that maybe i could drink more but I tried. I, I tried to build my tolerance before, and I was just like, "There's nothing." Like I was like, "This is this is just pain." It's just pain. <laughs> so like, yeah. Why are we doing this? Like, what's what's the real reason? It's like let's just stop. And so we, I just stopped drinking. But like, I didn't drink for like over a year, like at all. Like, because I just got tired of feeling sick. Yeah, I mean, I did that too for different reasons, but well, pretty much similar reasons actually. You know, and I, I really didn't. Um, you know what I? When I have gone sober in my life. Uh, to avoid being alcoholic you know what i missed was not i never i've never missed alcohol i've never missed a drink i never felt like i had to have a drink or something mm-hmm. what i missed was the social aspect of it right the fun the women you know the rowdy guys like you know the dancing you know the laughing like just all the things that come with partying while everybody's on a fucking dopamine high basically you yeah. know and um I, I think with, you know, as I get older now, it's just that it is, that itself gets old. You know what I mean? It uh, it loses its luster, I guess you could mm. say. And really, I think it's just because my body's getting old, right? I, I can't flaunt it or use it the way I used to, you know? And it takes more work to to get it into a position of of um, capability, let's 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 call it yeah i really feel like once you turn 30 like that's when the fight begins to keep your your body the way it is like like you can't just eat whatever anymore you can't just you know uh have no sleep you can't do all these different things like this is when you start to have to start fighting you have to work out you have to go you have to pay attention to your diet you have to pay attention to your finances and everything nothing is frivolous anymore and the fight is real now yeah you know everything matters that you do and you really had to focus on it. Otherwise, you'll fall apart. <laughs> oh, I, you know, speaking of like foods you can't eat anymore, um, I used to be able to eat a whole pizza. So the, the other day, like I was just dying for pizza. I had mm. forever. So I bought a pizza from Domino's. By the way, Domino's is no longer cheap. Oh my God. I remember getting a pizza, like, you know, 12 inch for 10 bucks. It was almost $40 for what Jeez. I ordered. It was ridiculous. And, and they're not good. <laughs> they're not. But you know, when you take a pre workout and you get that, that buzz okay like yeah, it yeah. almost feels like your face is being stung you know yeah, what i mean I like that. your skin's on fire i yeah. love that yeah okay. it feels like babies clawed my eyes i don't want it <laughs> yeah and i i got that from from scarfing down a whole pizza except it was in the non-fun way but it was very <laughs> similar and it's like what is this is this like diabetes like you're like trying to take them over my body right now because i just ate all these carbs and you know and well, sugar. i guess it's your insulin response right because it must have been yeah. but i've never felt that from a food before and that to me was just like a warning sound like, hey, asshole, you shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> Why are you, you giving know? us this poison? Why are you doing this, bro? Oh, know? yeah. If I have uh, pizza because I'll like carbs, I'll get I'll, I'll get a headache and I'll also like my hands the will swelling. get stiff. Yes. Yeah. When, you, when you pointed that out to me, I, it wasn't something that I until then had consciously thought of. And now I can't stop thinking about it. whenever I put my jewel, like I put my ring on, you know, if, if my hands are swollen, it's like it's not like a test. Like, oh, OK, I've got. Got too much, you know, sugar or whatever, too many carbs or whatever in my diet again. So I can't, my rings don't fit right, you know? Yeah, because it's just water weight because all that carb just holds on to, I, I believe it's like every gram of a carb holds three grams of water. So it's like, that's, that's how much your body retains, which I mean, hey, if you're in the desert, that's kind of a good thing. You kind of, you know, you kind of want that water inside of you. But when, 
but when you get bloated and you start you know getting puffy and your and your hands are swollen and it's like like this isn't fun <laughs> like this isn't a good thing i don't need all this water in me you know i don't know why but my favorite biome is is desert or at least i will say like an arid land mm-hmm. you know i i don't know why do, do you not like the rain I I, I kind of don't. Um, really, I love. Yeah, rain. no. There's rain is oh, like um, precipitation's my favorite. I don't know what it is. It's like to me, pretty much all precipitation. I don't like. I <sighs> I respect its necessity, but generally, I don't like it. I would prefer. I prefer like dry, thin air, and I like, <laughs> and I just like the openness of deserts and arid climes, and I like. I do like how heat feels when it's dry. I don't like humidity. So again, that's basically just rain that hasn't fallen, right? <laughs> but uh yeah, right. It's just there. Yeah. So I don't know there's something about like the the, the earth had too many carbs so it's holding water in the sky. I don't know. No, I don't know. <laughs> At the same time I love to swim. You know what I mean? It's just weird. I can't explain my weirdness. Yeah, I I I feel that way with the sun. It's like I hate the sun, but I understand we need the sun otherwise we couldn't grow anything and yeah, I wouldn't see, have I'm a vitamin sun lover. D. I hate the sun. If I could like live in a dark complete darkness year round all the time, I, I would. But it's just not it's not practical because people that live in like uh uh low light areas have are like have high rates of depression because of the vitamin D deficiencies. Well, that's another thing too. Like even now, as the winter really starts to slam down on us, it uh, it's depressing. I I can't stand winters. <laughs> I woke up last night and I looked outside the window and there was snow. I got so excited. I was like, "What? It snowed!" I was oh, I got so I got so happy. I got so hyped yesterday. It was amazing. Dude, that is, that's amazing to me because I literally felt the exact opposite when I <laughs> I let the dog out and I was you know staring at the Fuck. snow. Yeah, my brain was like, oh, we're going to die. Like, that was just, I'm just like, what the fuck? You know, like, it was such a depressing Dude, feeling. I, I love it. Like, right now, tonight, today, right now, is, is amazing. It's dark. It's misty. It's kind of cold. It's perfect, just, like, enjoyment weather. Like, this is, like, my just, like, let's go for a drive. Let's go walk out. You know, let's go Let's go do whatever. You'd be, a, you'd be I in love heaven it. in a Robert Frost poem, that's for sure. I love it. Robert Frost, the road less, the, the two. It's just, yeah, it's just endless autumn, basically. And yeah, yeah. And that's my favorite season, but still, it's like, he's like, uh, he's like the end of autumn, the beginning of winter. And his, like, a lot of poetry kind of is, if you were to, like, make that weird analogy, it's sort of, uh, it's like the edge of depression, you know what I mean? Yeah, right, with a glimmer of hope, maybe. I, yeah, yeah, like hope is a, like well, a Christmas it, gift. I know? feel like uh, Edgar Allan Poe would just be, like, the dead of winter, like, it is January. <laughs> oh, I can't think of a poet that's more depressing, even though I absolutely love Edgar Allan Poe's writings. I mean my favorite poem of his is probably the most depressing poem ever written. It's called alone. Um, but that's just for me though. I look at it differently. Like there's kind of a beauty to sadness because it makes you, you know, when you think of, when I think of like sad thoughts, but I'm in a good mood, it's sort of like, uh, feeling thankful as opposed to like feeling down. Right. Like, Oh yeah. I remember what really that feels like. See, when I get now. a sad thought, when I'm happy, I get real defensive. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here, dude? Like, get out. We're, we're happy right now. Like, why are you trying to ruin this? <laughs> you know, it's, do you, do you, do you run into when you try to hit, whenever, whenever you've tried to meditate in your life, do you have trouble meditating, like relaxing then? Do you feel like no. you have trouble like accepting thoughts as they come to you? No, because like when I, when I'm focused on, on meditation, I can focus on my breath and I can focus on my body and I can just be like, 
all right, that was a, a thought. Let's okay. We're, we went on that train for a bit. Now let's come back to the body. Let's come back. Let's come back. Cause it's just like that endless process. That's one of the things I like about meditation is that you can't do meditation wrong. <laughs> like there's no, there's no, no wrong way to do it as long as you keep trying to come back to it. And eventually you won't even have to come back. Cause you'll just stay on that, that, that focus of the mind and bo- on the body mm-hmm. and the, and the breath, which is really a, what you're trying to do is just quiet your mind, which is very useful. I think because like that just helps you in your in your decision making uh, skills later when you have to make a decision too because you don't have all these different chatter happening in your brain you can just focus on the problem at hand. Yeah, that's something we've talked about before. Is that uh, that I brought up is the that you never stop talking to yourself, and that is so exhausting to me. I think sometimes it really is annoying. Um, I feel like the only way to drown that sometimes is to just be busy. It's just to have something that you're worrying well, about. Yeah, that's why I have YouTube on all the time. So I'm not thinking. So <laughs> mm. like, so I, I can I can get knowledge, right? So it's useful because I, I usually watch educational stuff. Like I was just learning about the Dead Sea Scrolls yesterday. Mm. Um, so I was like, you know, there's a bunch of so like I'm not just wasting my time and drowning it out with nonsense. But it's like the reason I do that is because if I don't have something going my mind will start going and then I'll probably end up attacking myself in some way. <laughs> That's an interesting way to, to, to uh, explain that and to look at that. I would have to agree. Yeah. I, yeah. And whenever my mind's left alone, it, it ends up attacking, which is just frustrating. And recently it's not even words. It's just feelings. It's just like, I feel a weight on my chest. Like I just feel like almost depressed and there's no thoughts alongside with it. It's just a feeling of, of guilt and like, and sadness and it's like what the, what is this what is the point of this and then i get mad because i don't know how to deal with sadness so i just get angry and i know how to deal with anger so then i deal with it then and then it's just it's not a health i'm sure it's not healthy <laughs> i mean what what isn't healthy though when you think about it i mean okay here's what i mean well what i mean is that if i'm ignoring it i'm not i'm not solving it right so it's, I'm, I'm just i'm just pushing off the symptom until later until it blows up eventually yeah you know it makes me think of something that elon what you just said made me think of something that elon musk said that um i always believed but again he put it into words for me um and it was his his uh his quote about engineers right he's like smart engineers basically this is not verbatim but basically smart engineers waste their focus they waste their energy because they they try to optimize the solutions for problems or questions that don't need attention or that maybe aren't important right Mm -hmm. instead because that's how they're trained in school right you're like you made a very good point he's like when you're you know you're you're trained not to question the professor you're trained to question the problem right and the problem may not matter his question may not be important or useful uh, or matter and he's like instead um, the engineer should be questioning the question. I'm like, yeah, that that's basically a, a philosophical argument, right? And I, I feel like you can apply that to anything in life. It's like you're only really wasting your energy when you aren't questioning why you're trying to solve a problem. Like, is that problem worth solving, basically? Mm. You know, it's, and I think a lot of times, I mean, when you think about it, like work is sort of like, uh, trying to solve an unsolvable problem, you know what I mean? I think that's why it depresses so many of us, and why we just hate um, sort of extensive labor. And and we're exploited. We're still exploited so heavily. It's so funny to me, funny in like a dark way that 
we should be technically i thought for sure we'd be like spiraling into irrelevancy by this point you know the robots would be taking over the world in, in essence and yet because of this huge like global order this political push to like nonsense in my opinion nonsensical you know things like uh um uh, what they would call green technology, which isn't as it's like less green than the technology we currently use, is actually pushing us back further. We're, we're like falling backwards into exploitation again because now these corporations like Amazon and stuff that have completely taken over all markets, right? It's like, mm. where else do you buy your shit from, right? It's like, yes, yeah, sometimes you might go to Walmart, sometimes you might go to Best Buy. Most people, I think, are just ordering their shit online because it's all like one major. It's like the Sears catalog from the '80s took over the world, right? And 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 now that you know this idea for like ir- irrelevancy isn't really taking place, we're falling back. We're doubling down in like old school exploitation, so mandatory overtime all over the place, bad management all over the place at different lots of different companies and businesses, and then people don't want to work, especially in states like Illinois where it's easy to get on unemployment, it's easy to get staff benefits, you know, food benefits and things like that. It's not easy in every state. I mean, like in Tennessee, for example, it's very difficult to get on uh, unemployment benefits. But that at the same time, there's more exploitation with the workforce in Tennessee than there is in Illinois. Because in Illinois, there's lots of like worker laws and unions that protect the amount of hours you can work in a day and how easy it is for you to say no to an employer when it comes to like overtime and things like that and keep your job. Whereas like in states like Tennessee, it's the, the opposite is true. It's like, fine, if you don't want to do it, we'll just hire somebody else to see it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. which is better. I just feel like there's good and bad wherever you go. You know, I guess you just got to find your niche. I don't know where I was going with that, by the way. But um, uh, I guess the final question I have I for you, Zach. You, you compared me to Elon Musk, so I'm happy right yeah, now. Yeah, basically. That's where, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was about the engineers and like focus wasting energy, I guess. But um if you had to say, what would you say is your priority in life right now? What is your 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 biggest goal in life? What's the one big goal that's that trumps all other goals? Well, I mean, I have, I guess I have different goals, right? That are like in different categories. Um, uh, professionally, I want to become a GM eventually, right? Like that's kind of like one of my big goals. A general manager of a restaurant or of a of the castle, really. Yeah, like, but I mean, what type of business for people that don't know? Yeah, of Medieval Times, which is like a dinner theater. So it's like a big company where um, we have like a show, but we also have uh, um, food servers. And then like in the show, there's an arena. So with, it's restaurant with merchandising. Yeah. And yeah, and, you know, a theater aspect of it too. So you have to have like, you know, knowledge of all aspects of the business it's mm-hmm. not just it's not just like you know food it's not just a theater company it's it's not just uh, a bar it's not just you know mm-hmm. um uh, a it's gift shop it's everything businesses yeah. rolled into one yeah so i mean that's like my professional goal um my personal goal like for my body is just to do everything i can to to fix my back, which I don't think is necessarily possible, but at least to mitigate the d- deterioration and to slow down that process. That's my biggest personal. Well, that's like, the cool I'll thing s- about the body is you make, you make, the, make the good muscles strong around the weak ones and yeah. it, it actually helps. Right. Helps and, and that's my, that's my, my personal goal. Um, that those, that's pretty much my, my two biggest things right now are those. I mean, I also, I, I, I consider audio pong and, and making that a successful thing uh, a huge priority as well. Um, and, you know, I spend 
time on social media promoting promoting us you know i, I do this as well recording um, so i mean it's a big deal to me too um but other than that you know i don't really have i have no uh outside um responsibilities like i don't have responsibilities to anyone else but myself how about you marco what's your what's your biggest goal what's your biggest um responsibility uh, well, I don't really have any responsibilities. That's something I got to fix. But my dream, my biggest goal for my, for my, you know, for life for myself is, um, um, is to have my own business in podcasting and voice acting. That's really what I want to do. And I want to have singing, you know, at some point, make me some money. I feel like I've definitely wasted time with all those things. I mean, we do this now and, but that's, that's more than anything. That's what I want is like, I want a successful podcast. I want a successful voice acting career. And I think, I think I can have both of those. Yeah. And then I think I can have, you know, squeeze singing somewhere in there, uh, on the side whenever there's time, maybe, you know, or like when I can record. Yeah. And you're a really good singer too. So well, thank like, you. I, like if there's a, an opportunity, I'm sure you can get it. It's just about finding the opportunity. I got to look for it. I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm very bad at looking as much as I love attention, I'm really bad at marketing. I'm really bad. I hate, I hate selling myself. Um, I just hate selling anything, I guess. Yeah. And that's kind of strange. I guess that's why I'm not a full blown egomaniac is because <laughs> I just don't like to sell myself. Yeah. You know? So, uh, it's a weird mix. I, I think if I had that, even though I'd be more annoying as a person, I think I'd be more successful too. If you were just a little more egotistical. <laughs> yeah, if I was just a full like a full blown, you know, pride hound. Like I think uh I think actually that would serve we would we, I'm sorry, but we would not be friends. <laughs> no, we probably wouldn't, we but would, I yeah. I, I mean maybe you'd be more financially successful, but I know we wouldn't be friends. Because... All I know is that if I had that it would match the rest of me better. That's all I'm saying. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just how I But you're humble, right? That's and, that's and... terrible for for me. <laughs> I know, but that's what I like about you. Humility is, t- is, is that, terrible. That, that you that. have a lot, you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of experience, and you have a lot of, um, you have a lot to give, and and I respect that. But you're also very humble about it. You don't you don't push your beliefs on anyone. You don't push yourself on anyone. You're always you you kind of let people ask you, and people yeah. ask you like people are just genuinely interested in in Marco, and I think that's what's important. Well, I thank you for the compliment. I, I think I just read too much Mark Twain growing up because that's kind of why he's my hero is the fact that he had a lot to say, but he was only direct about it in his writing. Otherwise, everything was in the form of like an answer to the question. What's interesting about it, though, is that sometimes a question is asked without being asked. You know what I mean? Like uh, the way someone can speak sort of leads them into wanting to know something. And if you pick up on that, you're, it, it's a, you're, you, you're sort of feel welcomed at that point to describe something or to give your opinion on something. And really, when you think about it, most things are opinion, right? It's like anytime you've gotten into an argument about politics or race or society or whatever mm. with another person, stop what's going on and just ask them where they got their information because you both got your information from the same source where else you know what i mean if it wasn't yeah. the internet what the hell you know were, were you once a president can you tell me what that's like you know what i mean like <laughs> other than an actual life experience it's just funny it, you know i marvel at that and i and i and i i diss myself on it sometimes too because you fall into that trap because you just want to give your opinion but uh, or hear yourself talk whatever 
Um, I, I, I don't know. I find opinions very important because opinions is how you view the world. And if I can see the world how you see it, then I, we can better communicate. So I think it's important to learn each other's like, you know, opinions and to, oh, I don't think it's to unimportant. debate I think them as well. Yeah. You know, like it's important to discuss them because then you 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 further solidify your opinion or you're able to change your your mind on something but you you make your ideas more concrete in your head and you're, they're more they're more defined well when you discuss something that's too. great if you're right <laughs> well even if you're wrong it's no a, if you're wrong what you what you're but it's doing an opinion. is it's okay well okay but my point is that what you really should be worried about is shame right especially if you're wrong about something and you're proven wrong about something or you discover you're wrong about something doubling down on your on your pride the defense of your pride is uh, is not healthy for for you well, no but that's why i said you could also change your mind too yeah. well, hopefully that's what shame does for you if you when you feel it is it makes you think because whenever you i feel like whenever i say something silly or you know i'm passionately incorrect um it, the most difficult thing to do is to accept the shame in the moment. Usually you want to just like double down and finish out your, your belligerent idea opinion and then quietly on your own, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Cause you don't want to, you don't want to secede that in person right. with your, your debater, your attacker, let's call them your opponent. Yeah. Um, and that, that's just instinct, right? That's just smart. Really. That's just smart tactics. If you think about it, you don't want to seem weak ever. That's for sure. So we leave you with that. Don't be weak ass bitches. <laughs>